Hello, hello. This is Series 10 of Satisfied. The Series 10 podcast enhanced the Heartbreak to Hope Bible study covering the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we looked at how we can recognize deception trails and avoid them. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 10 of the Heartbreak to Hope Bible study. We will look at how God makes ugly beautiful. It's springtime in Texas as I'm recording these podcasts. I think springtime is beautiful and so hopeful. The landscape seems to go so quickly from ugly and barren to beautiful as new life emerges. Practically every day I go outside to my garden, pushing aside dried leaves to see what's coming back up from the ground after the cold winter. The contrast from the ugly barrenness of winter to the beauty of new life emerging in the spring inspires worship. We celebrate Easter in the spring. It belongs there, doesn't it? Spring reminds us that God makes ugly beautiful. Almost 2,000 years ago, something very ugly happened. Jesus, the sinless God-man who walked among us people, was hung on a cross to die. The beautiful Son of God voluntarily experienced the ugliness of sin and took on its punishment for our sakes. Several years ago, as the spring storms hit my area one March, I realized that our house took on the punishment of the 70 mile per hour winds for us. My friends' houses took on the punishment of softball-sized hail for them. Without the interceding of our houses, we could easily be dead. What our houses did for us, Jesus did for us when he took on the punishment for our sin in our place. In the ugliness of that moment, we were preserved from a fatal disease. I am so grateful. Sin is a fatal disease. I remember the first time I heard the description of our sinful spiritual condition as death caused by a fatal disease. That illustration wasn't hard for me to understand. A close friend of mine died of cancer. She took the treatments that were supposed to kill the cancer cells, but they didn't get rid of all of them. Those that evaded the toxic drugs found new places to multiply and continue their destruction. My friend could clean and dress her body, fix her hair, put on makeup and look lovely on the outside. But hidden beneath her skin, the cancer cells did their ugly work on her body. The death sentence is upon every human being. Hers came earlier than expected. Cancer is like the ugliness of sin. Even when you get it under control, the threat of its return is always present. Sin is the disease, and everyone has it. It's fatal because the result of the sin disease is always death. Our sin separates us from having a relationship with our holy God. Humans are not holy. You already know that. The prophet Jeremiah describes the human heart as being deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This is the sinful cancer that is in every human, and it is beyond cure. The Bible says, and you have no doubt seen this, that people willingly suppress the truth and exchange the truth about God for a lie. Such sickness leads to destructive behavior. That creates an infinite gap between God's holiness and human sinfulness. 
But God's love for people and His mercy toward us led Him to take action. The Son of God came to earth to live as a human without sin and to offer Himself as a sacrifice for sin once for all. Never again would an animal need to die for human sin. Jesus Christ did that for us on the cross. Crucifixion was ugly. It was a place of agony and disgrace. Psalm 22 prophetically describes the agony and disgrace that Jesus experienced during His crucifixion. The Romans didn't invent crucifixion, although its infamy is associated with the Roman Empire because of Christ. It was adopted from the Greeks and then used by the Romans as their severest form of execution. It was used mainly for rebellious slaves, thieves, and other criminals, but also for anyone guilty of rebellion and treason. Roman citizens could not be executed by crucifixion. Jesus was not a Roman citizen. If you've seen any movie portraying the life of Christ, you have seen how crucifixion was likely done and the agony it caused the victims. The crucified victim hung by his outstretched arms attached to the crossbeam. Usually, heavy wrought iron nails were driven through the wrists and the heel bones. We see that in Psalm 22:16. As the victim hung dangling by the arms, the blood could no longer circulate to his vital organs, and he felt like he was suffocating. His bones would get out of joint. We see this in Psalm 22, verse 14. The victim would sweat profusely and be thirsty. Psalm 22, verse 15. Sometimes wood was nailed to the main post as a sort of seat. Only by supporting himself on this or by pushing against the nails in his feet could the victim lift himself up to gain any relief. Then exhaustion set in and death followed, although sometimes not for several days. To hasten death, the victim's legs were broken with a club so he couldn't keep pushing up to stay alive. The fact that Jesus' bones were not broken fulfilled another prophecy from Psalm 22. Psalm 22 also prophetically describes the disgrace that Jesus experienced during His crucifixion. The words in Psalm 22 verses 6 through 8 describe the humiliation of public execution and match what the crowd actually said to Jesus. And the casting of lots seen in Psalm 22 verse 18 was literally fulfilled. I doubt that neither the Jews nor the Romans were trying to fulfill Psalm 22 that day. Only God, the Holy Spirit, inspiring David to write these words 1,000 years earlier could ever explain how closely they matched the day Jesus died. Crucifixion was God's plan. But why the cross? After all, the usual method for Jewish execution was death by stoning. And the sacrificial lamb was bled and burned. Could Jesus have paid the penalty for our sin through another means of execution? Yes, but the cross was there. It was predicted, and no one would have thought of it as an acceptable plan for salvation. Yet crucifixion provided the best scenario for Jews and non-Jews alike because both groups participated in the sinful act of executing God's Son. Hear what Peter clearly told everyone in Acts chapter 2. He said this, This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, 
and you, the Jews, with the help of wicked men, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. It was God's plan for his son to die on that cross for all of humanity's sin. No human being would ever come up with that plan. It requires faith alone, which is exactly what God wanted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul sums it up best. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross has been a major stumbling block in the way of the Jews, preventing the majority of them from accepting Jesus as their Messiah. To the Jewish people, crucifixion represented the most disgusting form of death, yet the Jewish leaders sought and obtained Roman authorization to have that very thing done to one of their own. No self-respecting Messiah would ever get himself hung on a cross, right? For the Roman or the Greek or any other non-Jew, following a religious leader who showed such weakness would be absolute foolishness. We think nothing of it now after 2,000 years of Christian teaching. Of course, God came to earth as a man to die on the cross as a ransom for many. But to them, the cross represented humiliation and shame. The Greek mind pursued knowledge and education and the highest wisdom of their world. That was what elevated anyone above criminals and the despised poor. Our cultural emphasis on academics can produce the same kind of puffed-up mindset. But to those of us who recognize the ugliness of our sin before God and the hopelessness of our efforts to please Him, the message of the cross is amazingly powerful. Author F.F. F. Bruce wrote a book called Paul, the Apostle of the Heart Set Free. In it, he wrote that as Paul persisted in preaching Jesus as the crucified Savior and sin bearer, the unexpected happened. Pagans, as well as Jews and God-fearers, believed the message and found their lives transformed by a new liberating power, which broke the stranglehold of selfishness and vice and purified them from within. The message of Christ crucified accomplished something which no amount of Greek philosophic teaching could have done for them. Isn't that so true? We can't think ourselves out of the ugliness of our sin. Every bit of our sin is so ugly to God, as ugly as the most heinous crime you can think of, as ugly as the crucifixion. But our redemption is absolutely beautiful. Psalm 22 ends with these words, Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim His righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, He has done it. We are that people yet unborn. We have been told about the Lord. We have been told that Jesus isn't still on the cross, nor is He in the grave. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, declaring that the debt for sin has been paid and accepted. He has done it. And our need for deliverance from death has also been answered. God takes the ugliness of the cross and makes it beautiful in our lives. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, 
Believers are cleansed of all sin and made new creations of life when God plants His Spirit within us. We are made alive as Christ is alive. God gives us eternal spiritual life from the moment we believe, and we have complete acceptance before a holy God by faith alone. That which stood against us, the ugliness of our sin, is gone. Christ's life is given to us, living in us. That's beautiful. Not only do we have this beautiful eternal spiritual life now, but God also promises us eternal physical life in the future. So when we die, we now have hope of eternal life in the presence of God. So physical death is no longer to be feared. Jesus wanted to take away our fear of death. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, since the children have flesh and blood, that's people, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He's talking about flesh and blood death here. Jesus frees us from the fear of death. That is beautiful. The process of dying is hard. I watched my dad pass from earth to heaven. I know he is supremely happy there. I will see him again one day. As one friend put it, death is just a comma between earth and heaven. Life on earth, comma, life in heaven. The Bible talks about it as sleep. The believer falls asleep and wakes up in heaven, and Jesus is right there. Dear listener, if you are unsure about your future life, you might not have ever trusted in Christ as your Savior. You can do so today and receive a beautiful new life now and eternal life with God after you die. Just say yes to believing that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins. Accept His free gift of life. Then you get to live out this beautiful new life each day. There is one verse I learned as a young Christian that sums it up so well. It's why the ugliness of the crucifixion needed to take place. It's why Jesus' resurrection gives us a beautiful new chance at life. Paul tells us how to live this beautiful new life each and every day in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The ugliness of the crucifixion becomes the beauty of Christ's life in you, in me. I'm grateful for the beauty that God has made out of my ugliness. Are you? I have a longing to worship him for it. Do you? What ugliness in your life has God made beautiful because of Jesus Christ living in you? Let your heart sing out to him joyfully today and every day. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with hope, healing, and love as you get to know him and trust him more each day. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 10 of Satisfied.